Welcome, one and all, ladies and germs, to the MBLAX Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am your host on this wonderful, magical, incredible journey through the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. Before we, we begin, as always, I do have study guides available on my website, mblextestprep.com is where you go to find those. I have a study guide dedicated towards the MBLEX, uh, so everything you could possibly, you know, I don't want to say everything you could possibly, I'll, most of the stuff you could possibly see on the MBLEX is in that guide. It also comes with about 700 practice test questions inside that book. It's really great study material. Um, I also have another guide that has 10 full-length MBLEX pra uh, practice tests inside of it with pre-made flashcards, so all you have to do is cut them out, and you've got flashcards ready to go. really helps save you time and money. I also have a guide dedicated towards kinesiology. It's called Kinesiology Made Easy. Just pick that up if you are looking to study kinesiology at all. Need help with origins, insertions, actions, innervations, synergists, antagonists, etc., etc. Uh, that is the guide to get. So we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get started. Welcome back. All right, today we're going to do something just a little bit different. Uh, usually I discuss material that could help you uh, learn enough to pass the MBLEX, but today I'm going to discuss my experience actually taking the MBLEX. Now, this was a couple years ago. Now, if you listen to the very first podcast, I kind of laid out my history, why I didn't take the MBLEX until a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I, I, when I was teaching massage therapy, I was teaching for the national exam and not the MBLEX and the national exam decided they didn't want to do licensure stuff anymore, um, state testing. So the MBLEX then became the only test, uh, for most states to, for massage students to take. So, um, I hadn't taken the MBLEX up until that point. So then I took it and here I am. So... I'm going to talk about my experience, uh, what I kind of experienced when I went to actually take the test. I'm not going to talk too much about the test itself, just the experience of taking the test, um, which can help prepare you for the test. I know a lot of people have test anxiety and um, just knowing kind of what to expect before you even get there can help ease some concerns. So when I decided to take the test, I paid for it myself. The school I was working for refused to pay for it for me, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I digress. Uh, moving on. So I paid for it. Uh, it cost, how much did it cost? $195, I believe it cost back then. It might still be the same. I, I haven't really kept up with prices since I... Don't uh, I, I'm not signing people up for it anymore, and I have already taken it, so I have no, no reason to take it again. Um, my cat jumping on my lap. So I pay for it, and then you have to wait a couple days so they can put you in their system. Um, they put you in their system, and then they send you an email telling you that you schedule your test. 
So I scheduled the test. I got that email. I scheduled the test. Um, what I typically recommend students do is schedule it like a month out so you have plenty of time to actually study. Now, if you are taking a test preparation course at your school, I know some schools have test prep courses, um, then I recommend scheduling it for the last day of that class. So right after you're done with class, your test prep course, you should be as prepared as you possibly can be uh, for that test. So you, you go straight from class where you just got done talking about this, all this stuff, straight to the test. So that's what I recommend you do. If you can't do that for whatever reason, it's no big deal. Just make sure you give yourself enough time to actually study. Study is very important. Study, study, study. Okay. So you schedule your test. It gives you days and times. Uh, you select the testing center that you want to test at. So for me, I live in Reno. We have one testing center in town. So my options were pretty limited for uh, for where I could go, but you know it's Reno's not that big of a town. It just you know quick ten minute drive and I'm there. So I show up to the testing center. Uh, I walk into the testing center. It's a it's a Pearson View testing center. Pearson View is a company that administers all of these tests. Um, they God, what do they require? They require you to bring two forms of ID. So if you have a passport and a driver's license or a government ID, bring those. I think your social security card will work. Uh, you need something with your picture on it. So make sure you bring uh, some sort of, uh, like your driver's license um, or passport or something like that. And then some other way to identify you. Uh, so uh, maybe a Costco card, if you have Costco, uh, bring that something with your picture, something that proves that you are you. So you have to bring two forms of ID. Um, you cannot bring anything into the test with you, so they do have lockers. So when you get there, you have to tell them your name, tell them your appointment time. You can show up early. If they have seating available, they'll seat you early if they, um, if they can. Uh, if you want, you can ask them to do that. Um, I showed up, you know, I show up early for everything. So I was there about 20 minutes before my test. Um, might be a good idea to show up even earlier, maybe half an hour earlier. I don't know, just, just to calm yourself down if you need it. Um, so you show up, tell them your name, um, they'll ask for your ID. You have to sign some paperwork saying you won't share anything specific about the test or, or anything like that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you fill out all of that fun paperwork um, and then you put your stuff in a locker and they'll give you a key for the locker. Um, now at most testing centers, uh, you should be able to actually leave the test if you need to, to use the, the restroom. Now the Mblex is a timed test. They will not stop your test time if you need to leave to use the restroom or anything like that. So your time will continue to run. Just kind of be aware of that. Um, you cannot get into your locker until you are done with your test, I'm pretty sure. So, but you will put all of your stuff, your car keys, your wallet, your purse, anything you have with you goes into that locker. They will check your pockets if they see fit to make sure that you don't, you don't have anything in your pockets. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they have you turn your pockets inside out. Um, pretty sure they did that to me anyway. Maybe I'm, I just look that seedy. Uh, 
but um, they will they will check your pockets to make sure you don't have anything with you when you go in. Uh, they will take your fingerprints. Uh, they have this machine that that um, that you put your hand on, and there are these two prongs that come up in between your mi middle finger. So that's that's going to take your fingerprints so that they can identify that you are you. And you have to do that when you go in and when you leave. Anytime you leave or go in, you're going to do those fingerprints to make sure that you don't leave and then somebody else comes in and takes the test for you, saying that they're you. Um, so it's just, just kind of a, an extra measure to make sure that you're not cheating. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure who would attempt that, but... I mean, obviously it's happened at some point, otherwise they wouldn't do it. So they take your fingerprints. When you get into the test, uh, into test, uh, how it was for me is it was, it was an open room with, uh, it wasn't a very big room, maybe 12 by 12, with, uh, let's see, like four computers on one wall, four computers on the adjacent wall, and then the... Um, they're, the person who checks you in, like, they can look in. There's, there's like, glass separating them from all of the testing that's, that's going on so they can actually talk to people uh, without making a bunch of noise and distracting people. Uh, but they can also watch you to make sure that you're not cheating, uh, which is very important. Okay, so I went in. I sat down at the computer. The testing center woman explained how everything would kind of go for me. Basically, you, you sit down at the computer, um, a few uh, disclaimer things will pop up on the computer. You have to accept all of those, hit yes or, or okay on all of those so that you understand everything that it's saying to you, and then your test begins. Before the test, uh, they will give you a laminated piece of paper and a pen or a marker you can do whatever you want with that laminated piece of paper and marker. You can write down anything you want, or you can write down nothing. Now, what I always do when I have a test and I have, uh, you know, some scratch paper or something, is I write down as many test-taking techniques as I can remember on that piece of paper before I begin my test, and that's exactly what I did. I write down things like identify keywords, Read the entire question. Take your time. Don't change answers, etc., etc. Wrote down as many as I could possibly remember. So during the course of my test, if I came ac across a, a question that I was unsure of, I just went down the list of all the stuff that I wrote, make sure I was doing all of those things, and then trying my best to answer the question from there. Okay, so that's I, I highly recommend doing that. When you get that, before you even look at the test question, write down as many of those test-taking techniques as you can remember, and that can help you during your test. Okay, so during the test, um, you know, I I did get some questions. Geez, what did I? I think I drew like a scapula on there. Um, what else did I write on? I see this was so long ago. I can't even remember what I wrote on there. But I did write stuff on there. I did use that piece of paper. It's something that can help. So if, like, let's say I, I found some information that maybe I was having a little bit of trouble with, that I was pretty sure I figured out the right answer, I would write that down again uh, on that piece of paper just to remind myself later in case I found 
that information later. You know, that information that I wrote down could help me answer the, another question. So make sure you're using that piece of paper. Don't let that piece of paper sit there uh, unused. Use it in some way. Draw a picture if you have to. Draw a body. Draw a bone. Draw a muscle if you need to. Do something with that piece of paper. Don't let it go to waste. Now, so after the during the during the test, uh, you should have the ability to either uh, turn the time on. Like in the corner of the screen, there should be a little timer, and you should be able to either turn it, make it visible, or make it invisible. Um, now, I think I set it to not visible because I didn't want it distracting me. I know some people look at clocks and see the time starting to wind down and then they start to freak out and start to rush through tests. That's not what you want to do. This test, you're going to have a couple hours to finish it. Okay, So do not rush through this test. If you need to turn off the timer to make sure you're not rushing, do it because that's what I did. Um, even then when I was done, I still had an hour left uh, I mean, I know this information, so I, and I was being kind of thorough with it. There were a couple questions that kind of threw me off that I, that I, you know, looked at for a couple minutes, but, um, still I was, I was taking my time with each question and really being thorough with it and making sure that I answered it to the best of my ability. And I still had about an hour left or 45 minutes or somewhere around there. Okay, so you won't run out of time. If you run out of time, it's your fault for taking too long on questions, okay? Um, if I can't answer a question within five minutes, I'm just picking an answer and I'm moving on. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to sit there for half an hour staring at a question I don't know the answer to. Remember, you can pass a test without getting every question right. So don't be stressing out about one specific question. Because that you will have questions on that exam about stuff that you've never seen before. Even stuff in my study guides. I don't cover everything that you're going to see on that exam. There's no way for me to know what you're going to be tested on. Okay? So just because you've never seen it before, just because you don't know the information, doesn't mean you have to sit there and stare at it and try and try and try to figure it out when it's just going to put a lot of doubt in your mind and it's going to stress you out. So if you get one of those questions, if you can't answer it in five minutes, just pick an answer and move on. If you get it right, awesome. If you don't, oh well. It's just one question. Okay. Okay. So like I, said, it, I take my time with my questions. I had about 45 minutes left. Uh, when I was done, I, I don't think it, it shouldn't tell you right then whether or not you pass. Yeah, that's how it is. Um, you have, I believe you have to raise your hand. They will come in. Um, the testing person will come in and sign you out. And then you will leave. You will do the fingerprint thing again. Okay, because they got to make sure it's you. And then you will go back out to the front. And then the person at the front desk will hand you your score uh, report. They'll print it out and they will put it face down on the desk and they will hand it to you or slide it to you so you can pick it up and you can look at it. Now, with the national exam, it used to be if you got one piece of paper, that means you pass. If you got two pieces of paper, that means you failed. Pass, 
if you, if you pass, you got that one piece of paper showing your score uh, and uh, saying you passed. If you failed, you got two pieces of paper, again, one, one saying you failed with your score, and then another detailing how you did on each individual subject. So it'll, it would tell you if you need to work more on anatomy or massage uh, therapy or ethics or pathology, etc. Um, now, I, I'm unsure how they do it on the Mblex. I cannot remember. I still have my pass sheet, um, but I, I don't remember anybody telling me if they got two pieces of paper if they failed on the Mblex. Now, that was a national exam thing uh, by the NCTMB. The Mblex, you know, a different company, they might, they might have a different policy. So just be aware. It might just be one paper that tells you if you pass or fail, or it might be two telling you what you need to work on and if you fail. So you get that paper, you flip it over, uh, it's going to say pass, and you're going to feel great. Uh, then you will collect all of your stuff from your locker, and then you will leave. Something I forgot to mention, when you first come in, they will also take your picture uh, to put in their system. It might even be on the pass paper. It was on the national exam. I, I'm, I don't think they have your picture on the, uh, on the MBLEX form if you pass it, but I could be mistaken. Like I said, it's been, it's been a couple years since I've taken that test, so I'm not 100% sure, but could be. So uh, that is basically it. That, that was my experience taking the test. There weren't that many people in the testing center. Um, I was able to move around a little bit and uh, help. I was able to use my body as a cheat sheet. You know, I, I talk about that when I do these podcasts. Use your body as a cheat sheet. If you need to, um, you know, flex your hip or something, you can do it right there in your chair. If you need to flex your wrist or extend your wrist, you can do it right there. Um, as long as you're not distracting anybody. During the test, if, if you're one of those people that has to have absolute silence, they do have... Uh, uh, Headphones that you can put over your ears that are supposed to cancel out the noise. I didn't use them. I am, you know, I'm. I don't get that distracted, so uh, a little bit of noise doesn't bother me too much. But if it does bother you, then you know, might be a good idea to use those. Uh, what else? See all this stuff. I'm just randomly remembering. Uh, like I said, there weren't that many people in there. There were only a couple other people taking tests. Um, whenever the person would come in to talk to somebody about their test or set them up on the computer, she would always be quiet, uh, as quiet as possible. She still has to communicate, uh, but, you know, she, she would be as quiet as she could to, so she didn't disturb anybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have questions when you're there, ask them ask questions. I always ask questions if I'm unsure about something like, well, how is this going to go? When, when I do this, when I'm done with my test, what do I do? Uh, when, how do I know when the test is officially, has officially started? Like, is it when I press this button or is it something after this? So don't be afraid to ask questions. If you have a question about something on the test itself, unfortunately, they cannot help you. It's a testing center that encompasses a lot of different tests. They aren't massage therapy instructors, 
administering this test. They aren't massage therapists. They don't know the information. So if you have um, a dispute about a question, uh, like I had a couple disputes about questions that I got. A couple questions had multiple right answers. And um, you can send emails to the FSMTB and kind of argue those. And who knows, they might change your score. They might not. But uh, make sure you, you remember, write down um, the question that you're having uh, trouble with, specifically the question number. Uh, and then send them an email. They might uh, take a look at it, and you might be able to get something worked out with them. Um, other than that, I mean, just try to stay relaxed as much as possible. Make sure you're hydrated before the test. Do a little bit of exercise before the test, too. That really wakes the body up and gets your mind going. It's one of the reasons I work out. It's not just to be, you know, ripped. It's to help my mind. It helps me stay sharp, as sharp as I possibly can be, however sharp that is. Um, so just, just try to stay relaxed. I know it's a really stressful time going into that test. Even though I knew the information, I was still a little stressed out about taking the test. I think everybody stresses out about taking tests. Um, but try just now that you know the experience that I went through, just know it's not that bad. And, and that's kind of what you can probably expect from your testing center. Um, I'm pretty sure that's, it's, it's all done through Pearson View. They might have other companies that administer this test once in a while in certain places, but chances are it's going to be Pearson View, and that's probably standard procedure for all of the Pearson View testing centers. So that is my experience with the uh, test itself and, and testing day. So, um, yeah, I mean, when we come back, question of the week. time for question of the week. All right, so this week's question. Here we go. The thoracic vertebrae contains how many bones? 12, 7, 5, or 11? Read it again. The thoracic vertebrae contains how many bones? 12, 7, 5, or 11? Okay, so what are our key words here? It's only one, really, thoracic. So that, that is the region of the vertebral column that we are specifically talking about, the thoracic region. Okay, so we have four regions of the, thora or of the uh, vertebral column, cervical, thoracic, lumbar, and sacral, yeah, maybe coccyx, yeah, whatever. So there is an easy way I have to remember how many bones are in each of those regions, at least, at least three of those regions. Okay, So I just think of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's the order, the descending order of the vertebral column and how many bones are in each region. So you have breakfast at 7, so that's at the top, that's the cervical vertebrae. You have lunch at 12, that's the thoracic vertebrae. And then dinner at five, that's the lumbar vertebrae. So you have seven cervical vertebrae, 
12 thoracic vertebrae, 5 lumbar vertebrae. Okay, so that basically gives you the answer, doesn't it? The thoracic vertebrae has 12 bones in it, in that region. The cervical vertebrae has 7, the lumbar vertebrae has 5, and no segment has only 11. Okay, so the answer, the thoracic vertebrae contains how many bones? Is 12. Again, Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast at 7, cervical. Lunch at 12, thoracic. Dinner at 5, lumbar. And it's just that easy. You find ways to remember stuff like that. Makes remembering it so much easier. So try to figure out a way to remember stuff. And then email it to me, massagetestprep at gmail.com. And who knows, I might, might uh, use it in a future podcast and definitely give you a shout out. So speaking of shout-outs, uh, this podcast is just about over. Shout-out to my special friends, Stabby Unicorn and the Brian Titus Trio for all of the music provided. Don't, don't forget, I do have study guides available. Just visit mblextestprep.com. And until next time, this is David saying farewell. Well.